Welcome back to another episode of A-Sides, episode 55. I'm Andy, going solo once again this time. It's been a while, but um, I'm back for a solo interview, and I have my good friend on here with me. He's also singer, songwriter, and guitar slinger uh, for The Great Affairs, uh, Mr. Denny Smith. How you doing, man? Hello. I'm good. Yeah, man, it's been a while since I've talked to you. Like it has, man. I, I'll, I though I would like to say first and foremost, uh, thank you for the lovely card I received the other day with the uh, Paul Stanley sketches on the inside or RuPaul Stanley. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Appreciated that. Wasn't expecting that one. Oh good. Like I think I've, I think that's probably what the sixth or seventh card I've sent you in the last year. <laughs> I've got a whole stack of them over here. Yeah, there's man. quite a few of them. <laughs> Well, I got you on here not to talk about uh, bad Paul Stanley drawings, but uh, last fall you uh, released an album uh, with The Great Affairs, uh, Everybody Moves, Nobody Gets Hurt. It came out at the first part of October, right? That is correct, October 2nd. Is that the sixth album now for your band? You know, it's funny you ask that because I had this discussion with a guy the other day and I, I wasn't quite sure because I'm not – if you figure the self-titled album – Ricky took the wheels. There's two, and then we did Happy Ender, which was an EP, so that doesn't really count. And then four, when Kenny joined, was an EP. We kind of made it into an LP when we made it 4.5, but I don't know if that counts. So we're still <laughs> at two, and then Dream and Stereo was three proper, and then ten and two would have been four. So this is technically five, right? Am I missing one in there somewhere that's not like a compilation? That's it, right? Uh, no, I think so. Yeah, I think I okay, jumped so... on at four, or actually four point five is like the first thing I think I got from you guys. Yeah, so that, I mean, and that was really technically until we added those cover tunes and stuff. I mean, the, the version you got, I guess you could have technically qualified it as an as an LP, but it was just an EP with some extra songs tacked onto it. So I think this is really, in proper terms, this is LP number five. All so, right. you know, unless you start counting, you know, compilations and, you know, cover EPs and things and stacking that stuff up. But I mean, I mean, we've obviously probably probably put out about seven or eight albums worth of stuff, but only five actual LPs are, you know, that would technically be tagged with that. So it is our this is our fifth official LP. Um, right on. Yeah, it seems like you at least put out something every year since I've been into you guys. We tried to, that was always the goal, uh, whether it was the band or, I mean, just for me personally, I was always, I've always tried to do that and maintain that, you know, something, have my hand in something that came out every year, but we kind of lost our way a little bit uh, right around the time Dream and Stereo came out because we started to get actually kind of too busy to, to do, to crank one out every year. So that's why we kind of did that like covers EP to more or less to buy time uh, maybe i felt guilty because we didn't put something out that year or something but um yeah it turned into a thing i mean because we always had like like the die youngs thing came out in between the solo albums you know i had a couple records that came out in between records so it was always like for me there's i have to have something in the pipeline every year i feel like i'm not getting anything done you know we, we don't play that many shows i can crank an album out it can be done anything's possible I said I did jump in kind of in like 2014. Like, I guess I never really knew like the history of the Great Affairs. Like, when did you guys actually start? 
And uh, was it, um, I think you were Informer, and then it was like a splinter group, or how did it come to be? Yeah, and it, and it went back and forth, man, because it was um, a former, we, you know, we didn't really, what we were doing didn't uh, lend itself to the lighter kind of thing that the great affairs was when it first started the acoustic like i played i played acoustic on a couple songs on former records you know here and there we did but they were always you know more or less you know rock songs with a little bit of acoustic guitar and they weren't you know these proper strummy numbers like the great affairs was from the get-go so i what happened was i ended up piling up a bunch of that kind of stuff um that i really liked but i never wanted to do a well, I mean, I've done it now, so I guess, you know, I've got, you know, got around to being okay with it, but, um, I never wanted to do a solo thing. I, I don't, Denny Smith is not a particularly rocking rock and roll sounded name or anything. So I never thought it was a good thing to use as my live performing handle. So I always tried to create a band around anything I was working on. So the great affairs was like my little offshoot thing to get those songs out that had kind of amassed in the dark corner. So Pat came along for that. And then I knew Matt, um, because, uh, our bass player, Henry and former had had, uh, had, had back surgery. So he was laid up for a few months and we had gigs on the books and Matt stepped in and subbed for him. And I knew he was really qualified and he was into a lot of the same stuff, uh, singer songwriter kind of stuff. And, you know, the blues here rock, like black crows and stuff that, that Patrick was into. So he was a, a a natural person to call for the gig and he was really uh, down to do it at the time and we said to basically find a drummer which actually happened pretty quickly uh when we found tim good and then lee Corum was involved from former our keyboard player he was involved for a while too he played a lot on the first record and had a lot to do with the creation of the songs had a couple co-writes and stuff so for a while they acted we just kind of ran parallel you know we i did great affairs shows and former shows and then former hit a couple little walls with some personal issues that had cropped up where people needed some time off from gigging and it just kind of went by the wayside for a while. And I focused on the great affairs for, I don't know, a couple of years probably. And then once again, former kind of, you know, we had started a record that we never finished and everybody was really on board to get that thing done and out. So we've, the year we put out, I think the happy ender EP and former the kids deserve cable our second record those were done at the same time basically i was in and out of the studio on one or the other for several months trying to get those done and then when that came out when the when those two things came out uh former was once again <laughs> got got waylaid by some some stuff and uh we had to decide what we we're gonna do kenny came in to fill in for Billy originally in former, not in the great affairs. Um, and we had to make a decision of when it became obvious that former was not going to probably reunite at, at, after this, it was kind of like the last straw situation. Um, you know, we had to decide which name we were going to use because we were doing songs from both bands. We actually played a gig. I have a poster around here somewhere where it was former versus the great affairs and both bands played. <laughs> back-to-back sets which was exhausting but um that was how we hashed it out we just you know and i and i figured you know it was former's a was a 
really cool band and I, I love those songs and we and we still do some of that stuff but it's a really hard if you put the words former nashville into google or any search engine you're not going to find us you're going to find all kinds of other things first and the great affairs had a more of a ring to it and lent itself to cool merchandise and stuff i thought more readily than former did so we just went with that and stuck with it and then the lineup has kind of been with the exception of some bass player rotation and now this guitar player switch, it stayed the same from 2013, 2012 on. Uh, it was pretty steady until you know this last year. But um, yeah, so that brings us up to date, hmm. I think. It kind of sounds like the same, uh, like you have like a vision, kind of like, like the Die Youngs too, where you told me like, well, these songs kind of don't fit what I'm doing, so they kind of get uh, moved over to this, and then even your solo stuff. So it kind of sounds like the Great yeah. Affairs happened before that. Yeah, the Great Affairs was the thing that, um, I don't know, man, I always feel kind of like, and this is, is going to be a weird thing to say, having released as much stuff as we put out, but... Um, I always kind of feel like a guy impersonating a singer. I was never, you know, I wasn't a singer for years. I was just a guy that sang a little bit of backup and stuff. And that was really all I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a, a front man. It's really not uh, my personality and it's certainly not my skill set uh, by nature. So I've had to kind of work up to, you know, where I am now and, and what I'm able to do. That, that was a hard fought thing to get there. And um, so, I didn't really want to strike out and do another thing. I was barely holding on with the, with the one, you know, but, but some of those songs, part of the reason the great affairs appealed to me initially was that those songs were lighter and they were, they were the kind of stuff that if I had to go play by myself, I could do them just one man, you know, with an acoustic guitar and get away with it because they were designed, they were written that way and they were designed to be played that way. They just happened to also sound really cool with a bunch of great players around them. So I was kind of giving myself a parachute to be able to do stuff, whether the band, because you know it's 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 like anything, man. When you get into a with a group of guys and you're playing, and there are times when you kind of feel like you're held hostage because you, if you want to, you're the guy that wants to work a lot, and other people either don't want to or can't. It gets really frustrating really quick. And I was one of those guys that wanted to, to work. I really wanted to, to do as much of this as I possibly could while I could. And sometimes it felt like I was hamstrung a little bit by, you know, it's the same reason I became a singer because I got tired of looking for a singer and dealing with singers, you know, that thought that, you know, they were so important to the equation that you couldn't do anything without their approval. And so it, it was a, for me, it was a ability to get out and kind of do something where I had full control over it and not have to, you know, if, if everybody quit, well, I can still play those songs, you know, they're still there and they sound just as good with an acoustic guitar. Well, maybe not just as good, but almost as good. And, uh, I couldn't do that with former or any of the bands as in before, because those were big, loud rock things that kind of lived and died by all the harmony vocals and, you know, giant drums and, the Great Affair stuff, at least when it first started, the first couple of records, they, it wasn't that. It was a, it's all about the songs. It, we didn't have anything to do with the bombast, you know. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because like it almost seems like too, like you had some like uh, voice issues and uh, stuff 
and it seems like some of those singers that are in those loud metal bands, it's like, how can they continuously do that for years and like decades? You know, you're going to like basically tear up your voice. Yeah. I mean, if you're, that's, I mean, that's can be the case, but if you're, if you're doing it right, if you're well-trained or you have, you know, you came up singing and you learned how to sing correctly and not the way I learned how to sing, which was clearly not correctly. You can avoid a lot of that. I mean, there's plenty of great singers that have had, you know, surgeries or have had, you know, been laid off for a long time because they've got issues where they need to rest it. Um, and sometimes just, you know, the wear and tear of getting old can can take it out of you. But I, you know, for me, I the issues I had were, you know, really it was a matter of we were working too much, uh, playing shows that were too long. And I was not singing in a way that would preserve my voice. So I, it kind of bit me in the ass a little bit. But the thing about all of that is, you know, again, going back to the, why the Great Affairs kind of started, that was part of my thing was, you know, I can do this, uh, you know, that kind of material. I thought I could age a little more gracefully with that. I don't have to have jet black hair all the time and, and look like I'm, you know, 30 years old. I, I can be my age. And no, and no one's really going to care because it doesn't, you know, it my what, that kind of music does not, it it doesn't matter so much about you know, the image thing. It's not so much of a factor. And I'd always been in bands where the image was, you know, really critical. And that, you know, when you're up there just strumming an acoustic guitar and you know pouring your heart out, that's not really the thing. You know, it's not so much about going up there and trying to compete with the you know my chemical romances of the world or anything it was a totally different thing it was a it was a kind of liberating and i thought i could save my ears and my voice if i went that route too which as it turns out i didn't but um you know it was well-intentioned i thought i thought for sure it would be quieter and you know i didn't know that we were going to shift gears again and go back you know to what we are now which is basically being a loud rock and roll band again but yeah. So it was, I mean, it was, there were a lot of deliberate strides made with that change. It was, for me, it was a conscious effort to try and prolong, you know, being able to do this. Speaking of, I guess, lighter material than the Bombass and you're like a multifaceted rock band, like, I feel like this album actually does, it does display like every kind of part of your sound. There's like ballads, there's the hard rock songs and. Um, everything basically yeah. to like about the great affairs is in this uh, new album. I, I kind of thought that too. Um, but go, I mean, going into it, it was a little, it was a little stressful because I didn't know that those things would all could, you know, I mean, I know that can coexist over the course of a whole bunch of, of albums, but trying to cram them all into one 10 or 11 song arc is, is tricky, you know, because you think, well, because you got to sequence it and which is, that's always the hardest part of, you know, when you finish a record, it trying to put those songs in the right order. I mean, especially these days, man, you got to figure too, people's attention span being what it is. That first song's got to be money because that may be all they ever even give a shake, you know? And then it's just, you know, oh, I don't like this onto the next kind of thing. So it's that alone is stressful enough. But then when you figure, man, we've got, like you said, there's ballads on here. There's weird, almost, you know, some of this kind of almost, techno sound like towards the end there's like electronic sound and stuff there's mm -hmm. yeah, all the kinds ride. of keyboards and stuff yeah, yeah there were, you know tunes like that that just then we've had those for years 
we just never have recorded them or we've done demos of them that song the ride actually was should have been on that uh the you know the tommy edwards album that thomas album absolution oh yeah that i gave that to him for that record and when we went to cut this for the kenny really wanted to do that song because he was over here working on my he was putting in a new kitchen floor for me while i was demoing that song years and years ago so he heard it over and over again while i was programming all the keyboard parts and stuff and he kept bringing it up asking you know what, what was that song and so i sent him the demo we should try and do this sometime it's like, Man, there's no way we could do it it's got guitars and four different tunings and it could never be done live we don't have enough hands to do it but it has all this weird stuff in it. and i kind of had forgotten i didn't know if i even had the tracks for it anymore but then i remembered that i'd given it to to uh tommy for his record and he had done a bunch of work on it at joshua catchmark's studio black gold speakeasy so i texted josh and i just said hey man um do you still have those sessions? Cause I don't. And sure enough, he did. And he pulled them up and we flew the files to Michael St. Leon's studio where we did most of the record at. And I was able to, I mean, that's my, other than the guitar solo that's on there, those are all the guitars that I cut for Tommy's record. We just kept them. Oh, wow. They didn't, they didn't use it. So, um, we just kept those guitars that I'd cut over at Josh's and I, I did a new guitar solo cause I didn't like the guitar solo that was on there. And yeah. And Matt came over here and cut bass. Kenny cut new drums for it. And then that's another thing we did. It was really cool on that song is that that's not one drum take. That is three drum parts put together. Kenny, we would play like two parts of the kit on one track, then a couple parts on another. And we t- to make it, we did it on purpose to make it sound as mechanical but still like a human really played it. And then he punched in like the, all the crazy Tom stuff, the dragon drums that are in the middle of it. That's a separate thing. And then Josh edited it all up and made it sound like a Rob zombie track or something and brought it back in and Michael mixed it. So it's, it's the only song on the record. I think that Pat doesn't even play on. I think that's the only song he's not on. Yeah, I had was, there was already that. so much stuff on it. Well, we'd already it was basically done. It was kind of an afterthought, um, and we'd already and it was like almost we would have been shoehorning something in to put something else on there because those guitars were already you know they were cut years ago. So I mean, unless I'd wanted to relinquish my completely awesome guitar solo and let him take another pass at it, uh, <laughs> there, there would have been nothing for him to do, and I was not willing to do that. It was just too good. It was just, yeah, too good the way it was. So why ruin a good thing? <laughs> a great thing. You know, it's funny. I have thought, I really have thought about um, when it was finished, I really kept wanting to go back in and ask, just because I wanted to put new, I wanted to hang new stuff on it because all everything else was new. But um, I just didn't want to mess with those guitars. They were, they sounded cool and they had their own kind of weird thing to them they didn't even have to be messed with they already sounded weird i guess because how we recorded them or something at at joshua's but yeah so i mean there's stuff like that that i mean i kind of got off subject there but that's you know this record was a lot of stuff that had been sitting around because you know we didn't think it it won again we can't can't do these some of these songs live because there's too many moving parts which that always happens with a couple songs um, it's always record. the ones that I like. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, we call this the Elise syndrome. Um, 
you know, it's just, but I mean, sometimes it's just, usually it's because of you know, the strings or something like a, there's keyboards, too many keyboard parts on it or something. Um, some of these is just a matter of, you know, there's three guitars in every single guitar is one's capoed here. One's in open tuning, one's in drop D. It's just not, there's only two guys playing guitar up there. So, you know, even if you were to, you know, there's just, you can't do those changes in a, in a live setting. You're just, you know, you can only do two. And if one of those three parts is critical to the equation, then it's off the table, you know? So there's several songs like that on this record that, you know, just aren't going to get played, which is, it's cool. We're, we're already doing three or four of the tunes from this album in the live set as it is. So it'll, it'll be well represented, but you know, there are a few that I really wish we could do. And we're doing videos for a couple of them too. So I feel like that'll kind of make it that, you know, they're, they're not going to get left in the dust or anything. They're going to get some attention at least, even if we can't play them live. Uh, is there a favorite song of yours that you like recorded or uh, wrote for this album? For this record? Yeah. Uh, man, I really dig Livia just because it's just a compact piece of, uh, you know, power pop. But I think, I think in the wreckage is probably my favorite tune on the album um, of mine. But as far as the whole record goes, uh, and I have very little, all I play was acoustic on this, but that three leaf clover is my, probably my favorite song uh, of the whole batch. I mean, I had nothing to do with writing it. I just played some acoustic guitar on it, but that's my, just cause the way it turned out, it's just so lush and the, you know, uh, her backup vocals that she added, um, that, that was a whole new thing. We've never had that gospel kind of thing before. And hearing those for the first time was just absolutely mind blowing. Uh, and plus the lyric, Kenny's lyric on it's great too. It's just a great performance all the way around. So that'd be my, I'd probably pick that as my, my tops oh, for the cool. whole work. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Cause like in the wreckage, like that's, uh, one that really stood out to me right away for like uh, your uh, lyrics, actually. Yeah, dude, that's a ten and two leftover. That's another thing that's funny about that that one. And um, there's a bonus track on the on the physical version called "Taking a Swing." That those were both recorded for ten and two, but not I, they weren't finished. Um, I had cut the, all the acoustic guitars for in the wreckage, and I had cut a vocal for it but it had two lines of lyrics that I just didn't feel a hundred percent about. So I just held it back and I thought, well, I'll just put it on my next solo thing. It's more of a solo thing. That's why Michael St. Leon played slide on it because we were in there finishing it up. When I finally got the vocal where I wanted it, um, I asked him if he wouldn't mind putting some stuff down. Cause I just assumed it was going to go on my solo record. And then Kenny played some percussion. He was there that day. He played the percussion parts on it. And then he lobbied to include it on the Great Affairs album. So that was, uh, which is weird, you know, because we don't usually, you know, there's not usually outside guitar players playing on our stuff. We usually, there's, you know, we're capable of covering that stuff ourselves. So it was a little awkward to have our engineer uh, slash co-producer play lead guitar on a song, but the parts he put down were so amazing and just everything I wanted for that to complete the song, to, to make it come together that there was no, we couldn't go back and redo them. I mean, he, they were, it was perfect. He's a, a great 
you know, in addition to being a, a brilliant engineer, he's a great guitar player and he's got this weird touch for that kind of slide thing that, you know, I, even Patrick doesn't have that. It's just, it's just you know, Pat's a great slide player, but not, he's a different style. You know, there's, there's different kinds of slide and the thing that Michael does and the, the tone that he used on that was so cool that it, I felt like it matched the vocal and everything. It just, it just brought the whole thing into focus, you know? So yeah, I really, I do. I'm really proud of that lyric and that's a, that song means a lot to me just in general, but yeah, that's, you know, that's the story of the song, I guess. So I should say that that's how it came to be the way it is. I guess. Yeah. That's one thing I don't, I really want to ask is your like style. Like, do you take inspiration from um, real life or um, things that have happened to you or like things around you? Or do you just write like, um, or do you just write fiction? Like just make stuff up? No, it's, it's not. Um, I don't, man, I, I honestly don't really know the answer to that because I don't, some of this stuff, this is going to be, this is going to sound like a ridiculous answer, but sometimes you, I'll write something and I, and I love it. I just, it's just, cause it all flows and it's got, and it sounds, you know, the words look cool on paper and they sound even better, you know, when a melody is applied to them, but I don't necessarily know what I'm singing about. And sometimes those songs and we might be three years down the road playing them and all of a sudden i'll get what it is i'm saying and i'll and i'll be able to look back and think i remember when i wrote it and realize that it did uh pertain to something that was going on in my life that happens a lot a lot more than you would think um i don't i do write songs about people that i know a lot i don't write a lot of stuff about my personal life you know, every once in a while I'll tap into that or maybe I'll just take a feeling and apply that to something. But I don't necessarily write like a bunch of autobiographical stuff. You know, I do every maybe one one or two songs in a you know recording cycle. You know, I don't know how many of those actually end up on the record, but um, I don't. Most of it's just me. I'm like the guy that's I'm the guy that sits at the airport and listens to people talk and watches people do their thing, you know, uh, you know, I have a <clears throat> kind of a voyeuristic approach to songwriting, I guess, but, um, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm in there, you know what I mean? Like my life is in there, but I don't focus on, you know, I don't put the lens on myself that often or on my, you know, immediate family. I do. I had a, we had a guy that managed this years ago that he thought every song was about him. And the stuff that was going on, because <laughs> like, so some of them were, and it was probably really obvious. But I must have told him one time, "Hey, that you know that song's about you." So, um, you know, I, I do, I do. If there's something crazy going on and it's and it's worth writing about, I, chances are I'll probably I'll sneak it in there somewhere. But I don't, I don't really focus too much on my personal relationships. You know, uh, the, you know the really close stuff. You know, I kind of. I, I, yeah, save all that for Facebook. I, you know how I pour my heart out on Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Or those old, uh, <laughs> uh, what were they? The columns that you wrote for, like, oh, for yeah, the my, Couriers or the Times or something. When I was when I was a real writer, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's that, and that's the kind of stuff that, you know, that's that stuff was more observational, and I guess the songs kind of are too. But I, I don't really, 
I mean, I love writers that can do that. I, I love a Will Hogue or a Jason Isbell that can that can do that kind of thing. But I have a really hard time with it. I don't like to be too specific. Um, I don't like I said. I don't want to put the the spotlight on myself any more than I absolutely have to. So, you know, it, if I'm going to talk about myself, it's going to be in a really roundabout way. Uh, you know, it's just I've been in a relationship for a long time, so it'd be tricky business trying to, you know, unpack that kind of baggage in a, in songs that, you know, she's going to hear. <laughs> so I, I probably have to tread lightly there, but, um, you know, it comes into play. It makes it sense what you said about, um, writing about maybe like a feeling. Cause it seems like some of the songs that I've kind of picked up on have kind of the same kind of theme. Like I think the one you talked about Tommy's band, summer's gone and then last good memory it's like you're always writing about almost like nostalgic feelings or like a summer ending but it's not really the actual season it's like a time in your life right yes it's i mean it's a season but yeah but it's a season of life kind of thing there's yeah I mean, that's a that's a i mean the older you get man i mean i got quite a few years on you so you know you're probably not there yet but the older you get man you start to really you know you reflect on that stuff you know, most of it fondly. I don't, I'm not one of those guys that, you know, pisses and moans about getting old. I don't, it doesn't really phase me too much. Um, other than the aches and pains and the fact that I have to wear glasses now, I don't really have too much of a grievance with it, but, um, you know, there are things that, you know, my life is pretty good. I have a, you know, I have a business that uh, does well enough for me to continue to do this. And, um, the band is active and we're still able to put out stuff and keep you know trudging along and we enjoy each other's company uh i you know, have, a, have a woman that I, that I love dearly that uh is my whole world so i don't have a lot to really complain about you know um there but there are things that you know as time goes by you know you find yourself looking back on stuff and so those are more like wistful things that are probably just me thinking you know, when I every time we play Last Good Memory, which is pretty much every gig, I picture myself in my basement in East Peoria. I didn't write it there, but the the mind that of the guy in that song is in that basement. You know, right? I, I mean, that's where I did all my first real demos and stuff, and really got into the writing thing and stuff. And so I, that guy, that character in that song, I always see. It's it feels like I wrote that song there. You know. But uh, I didn't, you know, I, I was here when that came together. But for some reason, that, that song, I always picture that basement, my little recording console and, you know, my crappy drum kit. And it's, I don't know, it's, there's something about it. So, yeah, this, they are, I mean, they're reflective. I mean, they're just, it's like you're kind of time traveling a little bit when, when those songs come out. And like I said, I don't even, I don't know where these always come from, man. I, I did, I, I hadn't written in a while. I've kind of been on a, you know, hiatus trying to just work this record and more on the promotion side of things and then getting the new guitar player worked in. So I hadn't been in the writing mindset, but I, I did finish the song yesterday. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know, if you don't do it for a while, you start to sweat that, you know, maybe the, the well has gone dry or something. And then when one comes together and it's really easy like that, it's a really you know, it's a relief. It's a huge relief, but it's also this weird thing. If you look at where did that come from, you know, because the words came super fast. The melody came super fast and it's just, it was not 
I, I had to labor over like one section of it because I didn't like what I wrote initially. I had to actually go back and rewrite a bridge, like, you know, come up with something. But the rest of this, I don't feel like I came up with it. I just feel like it just showed up, you know, and you just got to chase down the, put all the pieces together while they're swirling around, you know? So I, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird thing. I mean, trying to figure out what I was thinking, you know, or what my, uh, intentions were, my motivations. I, I don't know. I don't like to look too close at it. You know, I'm afraid I might unlock the secret and ruin it. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just keep, like I said, I told Smith as, as long as they keep showing up, I'm, I'm happy to, to, you know, to welcome them. I, you know, but it's just, yeah, I don't really know. I just kind of, I don't like to spend, you know, hours and hours refining things. If it's, if I don't feel it, it's, I just kind of set it aside. And if it, you know, if it comes back to me, but like my phone is full of all these stupid little voice memos and stuff that I don't, sometimes I'll go back through them trying to find something that I need and I'll find all these really cool ideas that I just didn't, you know, they just didn't get finished. They just, they, they didn't speak to me at the time, I guess enough. To, they spoke to me enough for me to want to put it in my phone and remember it, but I never remember it. So I don't go back to it, you know? So I don't know, maybe there's some lost classics in my phone. It's hard to say, but, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just a thing, man. It's you kind of like, uh, I just feel like I don't like chasing it necessarily, but you know, if something good comes along, I, I don't like letting it go too soon either. So, I mean, I, I literally, by the time I got done with this song yesterday, my hands hurt. I'd played for way too long in the exact same position, <laughs> same chords over and over again that my knuckles hurt and stuff. So, I mean, I guess I labored over this one a little bit because I wanted it to be right. But, um, you know, sometimes like that last good memory that just showed up, you know, it was almost complete, you know, when probably that song probably took 30 minutes to write. So, you know. Sometimes they happen that way too. Um, is there anything like how I guess I ask if you had a favorite song and you kind of said, um, out of the ones on the album, not just yours, but with Kenny's songs, you had mentioned like uh, Three Leaf Clover. Uh, yeah. Is there actually like between you and Kenny, is there like friendly competition, like how he would come to the <laughs> band with that song and you're like, man, I got to like one up this guy with this song now. Uh, no, I mean, I know I, 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 this is not a lie either. I've never thought about that, man. I don't, uh, I don't know. Man, cause I, and I've said this before and I think there's been people in the band that didn't believe it, but, um, I don't care who writes the songs, man. I just want to, when, when it comes time to make a record, I want to have plenty to choose from and I want it to be at least as good, preferably better than the last album. I just want the songs that make the cut to be great. I don't, you know, I don't care who, who wrote it. So I've never been that way, man. I've been in bands where I didn't write any of the songs. So it's, you know, it doesn't bother me, man. I, I, uh, but as far as competition goes, man, we do what we do. The two of us is just similar enough that we can, you know, do it in a group setting, but, but it's not the same, I guess. So, you know, I don't, I don't really tread in, his territory and he doesn't mow my lawn you know what i mean so it's just kind of <laughs> i just feel like it it complements they complement each other's um 
but maybe there is. I don't know. I, I, I always feel like I'm kind of in competition with whatever we did last. You know, other, I mean, there's because I've had this. There's been times when it's like I don't even. We don't need to put a record out. I don't, we don't have anything. You know, uh, we had a discussion the other day about doing an EP with this new lineup, and I had told Kenny, I said, man, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't really have any songs. You know, I don't have anything right now that I feel that good about. And he said, well, you know, man, I'm going to send you some songs. And so he sent me five of my songs, demos of, of my songs. And it, I read the titles. It, there was the titles in an email. And I was like, I don't even know what some of these songs are. I had to go back and look for them. I didn't recognize them by the, the song title or anything. So I had to scroll through my, my iTunes and find these demos and I liked two out of the five that he sent me. The other three, I could, you know, I could have taken them or leave them. But um, I, it was, but it was just weird to me because the two that I liked, I don't remember even writing them. I, I, that's like, I mean, I know that's me. I, clearly, that's me. I, it tells my voice that's me playing guitar. But I don't, you know, they just when the that's how detached I am from it, you know. And unless we adopt these things and put them on record and go out and play them and stuff, I kind of forget about them. You know, they just. I, you know, I, I'll open up my lyric book sometimes and there's songs that have, you know, I've clearly typed up these lyrics and they're dated and, and there's probably a, some kind of demo for it somewhere. I'd, but I haven't, couldn't tell you the beginning of the melody for it. You know, they just, you know, if they don't make the grade, you just kind of move on. Hmm. I'm sure that's probably the same for a lot of writers. You know, you just, you can't focus on all of them. You can't, you know, it'd be like having, you know, like the, what's the Octomom? How could she possibly take care of all eight of those kids at the same time? You know, <laughs> she only got two hands. So, and, and that's kind of what happens. With these songs, some of them are the, you know, they're the kids that are going to go to juvie. You know, because I can't keep an eye on them. They just they don't make the cut. So, you know, no offense to kids that are delinquents because probably not their <laughs> fault. But you know, these songs, I've absolutely they get abandoned sometimes. They just even step on the records that we don't play. Uh, sometimes I'll listen, I'll revisit an album and I'll be like, oh, wow, that's, this is pretty cool. I totally forgot about this because we just don't, you know, it's not like you go back and, you know, I, I don't listen to my own stuff unless I have to learn it. I don't, you know, drive around and listen to my own albums and stuff in the car. It's, 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 maybe it's just weird. I don't know. It's like wearing your own band T-shirt or something. <laughs> so you're not going to come out with like instead of the Gene Simmons vault, like the Denny Smith vault, and it's all your unreleased stuff i could it would be about as good as the gene simmons vault probably um i mean there's there's a lot of stuff man. i mean i've got tons and tons of stuff and like i said kenny sent me those ones and there was a song called the cut and i was like i don't even i can't it's not mine and i pulled it up and i was like oh this is and it was recent it was only like maybe a year old but i and i really dug it and i was like i wonder why we didn't use this you know um and then i couldn't obviously i presented it because kenny had it so uh, there's a lot and there are some really good ones in there and there's things that I probably would have I mean you only get if you get 10 songs you know 12 songs on a record you got two or three guys in the band that write you know um, you just it's just you're only going to get a few slots you know so and I write some years I write 20 songs some years I write 60 songs sometimes I write more than that you know and, and, they, and I used to be really you know, devoted to demoing all that stuff. I'm getting a little bit lazier about it now because I got a new recording rig that I don't quite understand. But, um, 
you know, I, I would demo everything, you know? So I, every once in a while, something will come on, like, you know, I'll have my iPod on shuffle in my truck or something. And I'll be like, Oh, wow, this is cool. Didn't even, don't even know it's me, you know, it's because it's I had totally forgotten the song. So, so there, you know, there are some, I mean, there's stuff that's probably worth going back and revisiting and doing proper versions of, but also the thing that happens too, is if they don't make the cut for the band, and they're depending on what stage of the demo process they're in, they may not be all the way finished. So maybe they're just missing a couple little nuts and bolts here and there that would have made them, you know, contenders. That that's a thing too. So, but once you kind of walked away from it, it's really hard to go back and, you know, it's you know it's like there's a like there's some odd function on your computer that you only use once a year and you can never remember how to do it. You always have to go look it up, you know, it's that kind of thing. I just, I don't remember how to don't know where my mind was at when I wrote that song, you know, so it's hard to jump back into it. Better off handing it to somebody else and let them take a stab at it. I think it does kind of sound like what uh, Kenny had told me. Yeah. Like some of the songs on the album were ones you were kicking around for a while. And I didn't know that about the ride existing, I guess of what about oh, five yeah. years ago, but uh, oh, at least I mean, dude, there's there's a uh, there's a song on Tommy's record that they always play. Um, this is low. That was written for Ricky took the wheels. Oh, really? The second Great Affairs record. Yeah, I have a live recording of us playing that in my basement. It's almost the exact version of the song, and then I went and demoed it. And uh, I mean the. You know, a lot of those tracks from the demo are still on the finished version of the, that Tommy put out. So, I mean, the, yeah, some of these things, some of these things have like, you know, it wasn't like they weren't, we didn't feel good about them, but they were just ones that, you know, like I said, it just turns into a, it's a race, you know, and somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. And there's just some of these, they don't, they don't make it, you know, and that, I mean, that whole Die Young's record is essentially that. That's like the companion piece to, Dream in Stereo and Tommy's record. Those are all songs written around that same time that just, you know, not all of them, but 75, all the mine at least, were things that were written in that same two or three year span that just, uh, you know, they didn't, you know, sometimes you don't put a song on a record because it sounds too much like a song you already have or you already have that vibe represented on an album. You don't want to have two songs that do the same kind of thing. So there's lots of different logics that can be applied why you don't something ends up on the cutting room floor you know i mean look i always laugh when they <clears throat> they talk about you know bon jovi not wanting to put edge of a broken heart on uh, slippery when wet and to me that's like one of the cool from that era one of the coolest bon jovi songs there is and he thought it sucked so it ended up on a stupid soundtrack and it's like man how much better would that album have been if that had been on it you know so there's Sometimes it's just a matter of somebody's got to make a, a judgment call and, you know, this one gets in, and the, this one gets left behind and you, you know, if it gets forgotten and, you know, I guess that's just what happens. But, you know, we were lucky that Kenny really laid it on thick about doing that Die Young's thing is that he salvaged a whole bunch of those that I would have probably just forgot ever existed. I think there was something else. You sent me a song once on my birthday, like... I don't know, four or five years ago too. And then it showed up on another album, like not the next one, but maybe the one after that, I think. Yeah, that's a common thing, man. I mean, it's, sometimes it's just me, dude. Sometimes it'll be, I just don't 
put them forward. I just don't feel like they're ready yet or they're not, or it's something that I don't want to have to sing live. So I don't put it in play. I'll, you know, I'll wait till I feel better about it, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, I'm working on this project right now with, with uh, Joshua Ketchmart that is just almost ready to be mastered and, and, you know, finally make its way into the world. And we wrote, I think 12 songs for it and narrowed it down to four for an EP. And, you know, it's, we've been working on it for two plus years, you know, just whenever we had the time kind of thing. And I can't even remember what some of those other songs were that we, we did. We recorded all of them, but I can't remember what, how some of them go or what, what they were called. It's just, you know, you just kind of, it's part of the, I think maybe it's just part of the creative thing too. You just, you know, the idea is to just keep moving ahead. I don't like to look back on stuff. Kenny's a big proponent of revisiting things and fixing stuff and, you know, pro which is probably why his comic book collection blows mine away and he's got better albums and stuff. But um, he's really big about that, you know, nurturing that stuff and bringing stuff, you know, things that he think, you know, maybe got overlooked. Um, he's really cool about bringing that stuff to the table and say, Hey, why don't we take another swing at this? I just keep, I just move on. You know what I mean? I just, it's like, I, if, if it didn't light everybody's fire, then I don't want to keep trying to force it or, you know, trying to trick people into thinking it's a new song or anything or whatever I would have to do to get that stuff over. So I'll either sit on stuff until I feel like it's really a hundred percent or I'll just, you know, move on and, you know, forget about it entirely. And so a lot of these songs are kind of, you know, like I said, they'll show up every once in a while. I'll find one on my computer somewhere in a, in a file. And it's ridiculous. It's like, ah, oh, this is, this is really cool. I don't, why didn't we do this? And I can't even remember what the reasons were, you know, just, we didn't, maybe we didn't need it or we already had stuff that we felt good about for that thing and then you know and then it might be two years for you to do another record so that's it's a long time you're going to write a whole bunch more songs in between that you feel closer to you know because they're new that's another problem too that you know it's, there's nothing worse than finishing a record and writing you the song that you love the next day <laughs> you know where it's like oh man how do we how do we get this on there you know kind of thing because you know it's you know it's the shit you don't want to but that's what happens you know if you, you actually know, led me to um or actually reminded me of something i was going to ask you too um you're talking about kenny's comic book collection um whose idea was it to have the uh, comic book was it yours or was it his or um man i don't he's been doing these it was i guess initially his idea because he, he was been doing these little fake panels of us for the last few years and just every once in a while one would just show up and they were always hilarious. Um, and he's really into that, the comic culture thing too. And the um, company that does our printing for like our event posters and stuff, um, and so I think they do some stickers for us and stuff too. They had, you know, I get my emails from them once a week or whatever, whatever their specials are. And they were advertising that they also do printing for magazines and comics. And I thought, oh man, that'd be a really cool thing to do to include with the you know, the next record because we were trying to find ways to, you know, especially with the pandemic thing, trying to find ways to make it more of an event when that came out, something special about it that we hadn't done before. So I went in and priced it and figured it out and told him what the specs were and stuff. Um, 
and then he started collecting the photos that he needed to get it done and we uh i think the last show we played was a private event before all the well i mean it's yeah close to the end back in august or something we did like a private outdoor thing and we snapped the last couple pictures we needed for it there so that we could get it done and turned it in time so yeah that was his that's his baby i just facilitated the printing you know i just got it made sure it got sent to the right place and came back and looked like it was supposed to look but yeah that's all him yeah because i like how even the little booklet um has that too with the panels and then like the album credits it's yeah kind of a neat I, way to work that in i did that to kind of so it was all kind of would all tie together a little bit since we had the kind of cartoon cover and stuff i wanted to keep that vibe and then once we once we decided we do the comic i kind of applied the same logic to the, the artwork for the record too so it would at least kind of seem like it was you know deliberate it was all tied up a little bit so yeah that was that was the idea and you actually got to use all your own artwork for this too <laughs> yeah um, wink wink unlike a previous album yeah well you know it's funny man because that's another one of those things where i I'm, i look back at the first couple green fairs records and i'm just i'm embarrassed by how completely tragic the artwork is it's just it's awful and i wish i could do reissues of those just to do new album covers for them because they're they're so bad but i've had to i just had to learn that stuff it's you know we were a diy operation for the most part other than the last record which was our first time ever letting somebody else you know take the reins um we've always done it our ourselves and by ourselves when it comes to artwork it usually ends up being me everything post former ends up being me so you know and former billy was a graphic designer and he was you know he was a master of that stuff so everything always looked cool but uh for this project man it's been a i've been on an eternal learning curve to <laughs> get get uh to make sure that we don't look like a bunch of amateurs so it's it's getting there it's better each, each one gets a little bit better i think so i feel pretty good about and it was funny i was just looking at the die young's record uh to prepare for this thing because i hadn't listened to it in so long and i really like the package on that I mean, that's a really cool the, just the cover and the, all that turned out really good. I kind of was patting myself on the back here a couple minutes before you called when I was looking at that. It's <laughs> a pretty good job on that. Really, really captured the vibe. I do like too, like all the little, like you have a different image for every song, like a, a single cover. Yeah, I did, man, I did that for the last record and they didn't want to use it. They wanted to do the layout, uh, the, with all the cars and stuff, which I thought was really cool too. But yeah, I had a whole, there's a whole other version of that artwork. There's actually three different versions of that artwork. We had different album titles and different covers. And, um, before we signed the deal with, uh, Kibble, um, Oh yeah. I remember. Isn't there the back to Boston was like Cliff Clavin, but it was kind of like the Marilyn Monroe well, there or are, something. There's two versions of that. There's uh, th that's the only one that has actually two of them. There's, uh, unfound has two different covers too we had to settle i settled on the one we put in there but yeah i had another there's a different one that has a slee stack on it um but so yeah so we so i did covers for all the singles for that record too and I, that was initially going to be the inside booklet and we they didn't he didn't want to use them i guess so i mean i sent them to him but they, they didn't get used so on this one i wanted to make sure they got done and uh I, the only thing that was a kind of a drag was there was not enough room to put we just couldn't get all the lyrics and stuff in. That's the only thing, which, you know, 
they would have been so small. I'm so blind anymore. I don't know if anybody can see that stuff. I sure can't see it. So um, I don't know who it would have been. That, that's a lot of songs to cram lyrics into an eight or 12 page booklet or whatever. But so, yeah, that was, um, yeah, I like doing that, man. I'm, again, those are kind of just all stolen images from movies and stuff. And I mean, I'm sure if we were on a major label, we'd probably be sued. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> I always like seeing your artwork, um, though, because um, uh, I don't think even they get made for posters. But you're always you would always post something on Facebook that's kind of a similar kind of thing for each like show, and it's some older image, but you kind of tweak it to make it yours. Oh yeah, well I mean there's this. That, I mean you sit there on Google and all. I, I have a little little file that I keep on my desktop that is just like all anything I see that's halfway interesting that i think i might be able to manipulate i just grab it and drop it in that in that little folder and then when it comes time to do you know flyers because i like doing a a different one for you know because we have the posters that go out to the you know the venues and stuff they're just you know a generic live shot of us or you know something like that or a a group shot or something those you know but the ones on our actual social media and stuff i want to keep that interesting man i want to keep posting the same thing with the date on it all the time plus it just gives its practice man i had to upgrade to the new version of the subscription based version of photoshop this year or last year rather and i do this i am so far behind i'm i can't do any of the things i used to be able to do so any opportunity i get to mess with that thing and try and figure out uh how stupid i am i i take it so this whole i'm sure once we start doing shows this year i've only had to do one fly although i did make matt a new solo album cover today that i'll send to you later but um <laughs> i haven't had much chance to really use it like i should but um it's there there's you know there's a lot of different things in there that i couldn't do before but there's a lot of things i could do before that i can't figure out how to do now in this version <laughs> so it's a little bit it's a little bit daunting um so we'll see how creative my flyers are this year they may not be you may be disappointed with me we'll see I guess I got to get back on Facebook first. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. I'm using Instagram too. I posted the new one on Instagram today, so you know it's we're we're multi-platform. We're all over the place, man. You know we're international now. So oh, uh, speaking of <laughs> uh, not seeing stuff on Facebook, Matt Rumler actually showed me something. Um, it was like uh, he got a top badge on Facebook, and uh, he put, <laughs> he sent a screen capture that you're like I scribbled something on a sheriff badge for Andy, but he didn't know the difference. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know how that top badge thing works man but i've gotten i've been uh i've gotten the honors for a couple different things too so maybe it's because we do we troll things too much or something i don't know but yeah i I don't know how that top badge what the criteria are for getting that particular award but yeah your sheriff's badge is in the i actually do have a sheriff's badge hanging up here somewhere maybe i will make one for you where's it (laughs) thanks i'll find it i do have one here somewhere i got a few closing little things speaking of uh, the liner notes. There's one thing I love looking at liner notes for like bands and I'm glad there's yeah, a lot to like look at on this one. And there's something that jumped out at me. It, it says for light years, you played an electric sitar. I did. And I've always wanted to, and it's been there for years at, at the switch yard. And I've never had a song that, well, actually that's not true. Okay. So here's a little backstory. Um, when we did the first, uh, the first Bombshell Crush record at Switchyard, 
there was a, there's an intro track on it called 157 AM, which is when we finished mixing it. Was it 157 AM? So um, I wanted to, it's kind of like a trippy Saigon kick layered vocal thing where we come in and stack the vocals. It was, a, it was designed to be like, look, we can all sing because we come in one at a time. And our lead singer didn't even come in until halfway through it. So um, we, when we were doing that track, it's got that trippy kind of, the riff has got this little kind of Middle Eastern thing. So I was, you know, like an Indian vibe kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And so I was going to, I, you know, I, I saw Michael had that thing and Tony Higby was like, no, I, I'm in no sitar, man. No sitar. I, there's no sitar in rock and roll. I, I hate sitar. He was <laughs> totally adamantly opposed to it. So, uh, when I, I demoed that light year song years ago and we had tried to work it up with the band and it didn't, uh, it just wasn't, we couldn't get it. It was, it just wasn't happening. So that, again, that was originally going to be a die young's single. It wasn't going to be on the great affairs record. Um, which is why Dave Webb is playing bass on it instead of Matt. Cause he, we set that aside to be a, a die young's track. Um, so, you know, I initially went into thinking I was going to play most of the guitar on it and stuff. And I had asked Michael, I said, man, it, can I play? Is that how hard is that thing to play? And he's like, oh, it's just like a guitar. You know, you just got to kind of you know. So I went in and played and it, you know, I'd already done a little part with a with an octave pedal that was kind of doing the same thing that you can hear it kind of ping ponging back and forth in there. But that sitar is such a distinct singular sound that there is no mistaking it. And it was super cool to do. And it worked perfect because that song, when I wrote that, I was really big into uh, Dig Out Your Soul by Oasis, the their last record before they hit the wall. Um, and that they had a lot of those similar kind of, you know, they do those kind of vibes, those kind of beetly, trippy, you know, Indian kind of vibes. So it was completely inspired by that. And to get to you know, they don't, you don't just see electric stars laying around everywhere. So it was cool to have one handy. I didn't have to go rent one or anything or figure out how to play it. Um, but yeah, that's so that's, yeah. So I played electric sitar. No Ebo on this record though, sadly. So light years won't be one that you'll play, um, in concert, right? Then <laughs> we, you know what's it's, I don't know, man, it's, here's the thing. And this is not, um, this is no, not meant to disparage, uh, Patrick at all in any way, shape or form, but, uh, Corey's a very different, player in terms of the kind of stuff that he can do and the uh kind of gear that he employs and stuff and we're finding out that there's there's some of these songs that we haven't been able to play live because we didn't have the, you know the tools that we need to do them that we can now do um so and also he sings he's a, a good harmony singer so it gives oh, us an cool. extra harmony voice um so i don't know man we may, we may take a swing at it i don't it's not one that we're playing right now from the record but um once we get over this initial hump of getting him broken in and uh you know trotting this stuff out for the first few shows it's very possible we may take a stab at it it's just got a lot of stuff going on it really needs an extra one extra member to to do it um but we may be able to play it it's it's one of those ones you don't know until you you know really throw yourself at it um we might be able to pull it off it's hard to say (laughs) I'd like to. It's. A, I love that song, and it, I really like that version on the record. That you know the way it came out. Um, I just you know obviously I'm not gonna be playing electric sitar on it, although it would look really cool if I if I was, but I don't have one, so 
Yeah, maybe. Might. We'll see. Hmm. Well, hopefully, I'll see you out at some point in uh, 2021. You will. We've got a few things on the books now. Uh, a couple things that are. I'm guessing stuff that's contracted, but we can't announce it yet. And then we've got some tentative things that are, you know, that people are kind of buzzing about. But um, and it's just so. I mean, this whole pandemic thing is. I mean, I really feel like we might be, you know, about to exit it. Uh, hopefully, and put some of this the restrictions behind us for good. But I don't really know that for a fact. You know, as as you. May or may not have noticed I'm not a scientist, but, um, you know, it's, it, it's just not, it doesn't seem as bleak as it did even three months ago, you know? So we're just kind of dipping our toe in the water and hoping that nothing that we book gets canceled, but we're also not being, you know, we're not being very vocal and saying, Hey, here's our whole slew of dates that we've got for this year. Cause we don't want to have to take that stuff down. It was bad enough having to, cancel shows when it hit the fan you know yeah because we're not that's really not our, th- our thing but um so yeah you, you'll you'll see us it's things are starting to shape up i think you know we'll know i'm sure we'll know more here in the next couple of months when the vaccine thing really starts to hit its stride but you know hopefully it's all good news we'll, we'll see well thanks for but we're sharing. definitely itching oh. to get out and play man definitely itching to get out and play yeah. uh, um well thanks for sharing uh stories about the album with me and uh, is there any um, website information or um, where can people find your uh, music at? Uh, greataffairs.com is the easiest way. Um, and then once you get there, there's a little bar that goes across the main page. And there's links to everything on there. Um, everything that we have is whatever platform you think we should be on slash The Great Affairs except for youtube which will hopefully change shortly to the great affairs as well um we have to wait for our subscriber count to go up before we can get our own unique handle on there they won't let us have one yet but um so go subscribe to our youtube page if you can find it watch our new video because it's spectacular and we're about to do another one but um yeah the great affairs.com or facebook.com slash the great affairs or instagram.com slash the great affairs or twitter.com slash the great affairs they're all out there we're um, on everything um awesome Danny. well thanks for uh sharing um all the stories with me and uh thanks for even sharing stuff too in advance because you're always kind of uh um giving me little sneak previews and um everything yeah man uh i i, I kind of I, I value your opinion on that stuff man you have proven to be a worthy ally in that department and trustworthy as well. So yeah, yeah uh, hopefully I'll be, I'll have some uh, Joshua Ketchmark. Uh, it's actually called the Laramores. There's your sneak preview. There is what that, that band thing is going to be called, but I may have something from that for you to check out soon too. I think you'll dig. Yeah. The trustworthy thing part is actually, that's something I thought of um, earlier today, actually like, cause, uh, uh, As you were uploading my next record to the internet? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Kenny, <laughs> he had sent me that um, Worn Out Souls song. Jeez, like, yeah. like I talked to him back in May, and I think that might have been June. It was around the time where I think you kind of teased Livia, because didn't you put it up briefly, and then you pulled it back? Yeah, yeah. And he sent me, like, Worn Out Souls around that time, and, like, I didn't know broke, if... Hold on. 
telling me that Kenny broke the cone of silence? Uh, oh. He released a, a track without permission? Like, well, um, I got um, this song in like June and I was sitting on it. I never said anything until now. I never said anything to anybody, but it was almost like maybe like I felt like somebody had given me like uh, the cure to cancer. And they're like, all right, here's the cure to cancer. But if you tell anybody, then it goes away or you get a superpower. And if you expose the superpower, it goes away. And I'm like, I am sitting on one of the best songs I've ever heard. And like, I still love the shit out of that song. Like, It kind of gives too, me man. goosebumps sometimes when I hear it. Well, I'll tell you what. You're lucky the statute of limitations on breaking the cone of silence has run out. Or Kenny would probably get fired tomorrow after this information has been divulged. So we're going to let it slide this time, I think. <laughs> we're actually That's one of the ones we're shooting a video for, too. Oh, so, really? Yeah, that's one of the few that we can't. I mean, I would love to do it live, but um, without having Michael Webb to play that piano part, it's really kind of a moot point. We wouldn't be able to, to do it justice. So we are um, Scott uh, and Nate that shot our the this last video. Scott came up with a treatment for it that we think is really cool. We're just trying to figure out how to pull it off because we need multiple venues to do it. So we're just trying to get that squared away. But yeah, it's definitely one of the ones we want to. He's got a really cool idea for it. So. Hopefully oh, awesome! Shake that way at least, because at least that's a way to get it out there, get more exposure as almost being like yeah, a single, he deserves it, right? man. It's such it's yeah. such a great lyric and it's such a really cool arrangement. It's a, you know, again, it's we don't have any other songs like that. When he first brought that in, we did the the quickie demo of it. I I loved it right away. It's just got such a cool. That's such a the story that so, that song tells is is so great. You know, he just nailed it. That's completely out of the park on that one. So, yeah, I hope I hope we get to do that soon. I don't know. We don't have a schedule. I'm supposed to meet with them next week and kind of figure out, you know, we don't know which, what order we're going to do these in. So, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to do three more. It's just a matter of which ones are practical to do first and, you know, getting that all hammered out while we're also trying to get ready to play gigs and, yeah, you know, have lives. You know, that's the thing too. You got to still gotta have lives and stuff, but yeah. So hopefully that one gets done soon because I, I i agree with you man it's a great track um all right well, even if you did you, leak man. it early and spoil it for you you know but whatever uh speaking of lies i'm gonna <laughs> let you get back to yours uh so thanks for uh talking to me tonight and thanks everybody that was my for pleasure listening. man thank you denny